Thank you, church family. And if you would please grab your Bibles this morning and uh, turn with me to the Gospel of John and chapter number two. Gospel of John, chapter number two. It is a a privilege and an honor uh, and so fun to be with you this morning. So many familiar faces and a lot of new ones. Uh, And it's just a a great joy to be with you this morning. I want to uh, take this opportunity to thank all those who are uh, joining us online. I know uh, in a weekend like this, we've got many of our church family who's out, out of town. But uh, what an awesome opportunity for them to join us via live stream. Even uh, a good friend, Roy Browning, texted me this morning that he's tuning in from Israel. So uh, thank the Lord for our live stream and just the fact that people can join in when they're out of town. And then, of course, the venue service down the hall. I want to welcome you this morning. Thank you for being in God's house and uh, our friends and loved ones at Reach Church in DeSoto. Uh, I want to welcome you warmly this morning. We are missing getting to be with you, uh, but we love you and uh, it's the joy of, uh, of our lives to, uh, to be with you in DeSoto and to see what the Lord is doing there. And thank you, church family. Uh, I know you've heard some things, but Boy, the Lord has just been growing us numerically. He's been deepening us spiritually. And really, he's allowing us to make an impact in the DeSoto community. And that's the reason that we went, uh, was to lift high the name of Jesus and just to see um, his name be proclaimed in the city of DeSoto. And thank you, church family, for your support. Thank you for your prayers for us. You have to know week in and week out that you are felt. Your love for us is evidence. And uh, you are partners with us in the gospel, uh, for the gospel in DeSoto. So thank you, church family. We don't take it lightly, and uh, we love being a part of what God is doing in this church. So uh, thank you so much. Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend. My wife and I, my family got to spend it in Indiana and uh, had a great time in Indiana and we're so happy to be back here this weekend. And I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased, but I just think that the turkey tastes a little bit better in Indiana, you know? Maybe it's just me, but uh, thanks the Lord for, for turkeys. Um, anyone in the room this morning, just turkey is not your thing. You just, you could, no, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're gonna have an invitation at the end of the service and you, you, can, you can, the rest of you guys, you're sanctified, you're well on your way and uh, what, thank the Lord for Thanksgiving holiday and for time spent with good food and family. Well, John chapter two this morning and uh, I'm so excited to bring this message to you from God's word because it's not something that I only know to be true conceptually. But this message is one that I have experienced. And I'm so excited to tell you this morning that it is a privilege to be a servant. It's a privilege to be a servant. And I hope that as we go to God's word this morning, you see likewise that it is a privilege to do so. You know, if you know anything about our church, you know that this church has a heart to serve. I mean, we just heard it from Pastor Kelly leading us through the Operation Christmas Child numbers. I mean, this is phenomenal. This doesn't happen everywhere. The fact that our church would love to the extent that it loves is unbelievable, and we don't take it lightly. You know, when Kimberly and I first came into church here, we had two young kids at the time, and when the Lord brought us in, we, quite honestly, we were scared. I mean, going into a new environment is hard, let alone coming into a church of this size, right? But from the very moment we stepped out of our vehicles, boy, we were greeted, we were loved, we were practically taken by the hand and shown where to drop off our girls at. And I just wanna say, this is a church that serves and we've experienced that. Maybe that was you, maybe you're in the room this morning and you were one of the people that 
first greeted my family, and I don't know your name, but you made a difference in our lives. And helping a guest to feel loved and received, we don't take it lightly around here, and it makes a difference. So you say, Pastor Ryan, you know, why would you preach this message of servanthood to this church on this occasion, a church that's already loving and serving so well? Well, really, there's two main reasons that I want to share with you this morning from God's word. And the first one is this. If you are currently serving in our church, if you are serving the Lord through this local church, I want you to be reminded this morning of why it's worth it. I want you to be reminded of why it's so valuable for a Christian to serve the Lord through the local church. And maybe you're here this morning and you're new. And maybe you have not yet got the opportunity to make that commitment to use your time, your gifts, your talents in service of the Lord through this church. And at the end of this message, my goal for you is to see from God's word that you should just go ahead and jump in. You should just go ahead and take that leap, make that decision that you too will join the ranks of the scores and scores and hundreds of servants in this church And I hope that you see what a blessing it will be to your life to do so. So with that being said, let me read you Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, which says this. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let's pray and then we're going to read these first 11 verses of John chapter 2. Father, So humbled this morning for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, and preach your word. God, I pray that you'd fill me with your power. Lord, I pray that you would help me to clearly articulate, Lord, the truths from your word this morning. And Lord, for the hearers, Lord, in this room, out of this room, Lord, and around the world, that, Lord, you would stir our hearts once again this morning through the power that's in your word. And that, Lord, you would comfort and you would encourage that faithful servant, Lord, who day after day, week after week, year after year, serves in your name. And Lord, in a church this size where we're growing and you're constantly adding to our numbers, that Lord, you would help someone to have the courage this morning to say, Lord, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna serve in your name for your glory and that Lord, you would bless that dear saint this morning. Father, I pray that the, uh, the preaching of your word would be edifying, encouraging, and challenging this morning. We ask this in your holy and precious name, amen. Well, church, look with me here in John chapter two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. And Jesus said to them, speaking of the servants, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee 
and he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Church, the first thing I want us to see from this account this morning concerning the privilege of being a servant is their presence. Notice, please, first of all, their presence. Of all the people at a wedding, and and keep in mind that, you know, weddings are big today. But back then, weddings were momentous occasions. They were multiple day things. Oftentimes, whole villages, whole cities would come out for a special wedding. But of all the people at a wedding, it's the servants here in this account that are going to get the attention of Jesus. It's not the bride It's not the groom, it's not the elite guests or the party goers, it's not the front row crowd, it's the people who have taken on the humble identity of a servant that our Lord and Savior reaches out to you. So I wanna ask you right up front, dear church, are you willing to identify as a servant? And before you answer that, I want us to see that this was the identity of Jesus, This was his identity that he willingly took on. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, the Bible says this, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Look at the screen and you'll see Luke chapter 22 and verse 24. There arose a dispute among the disciples as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who have authority over them are called benefactors, but it is not this way with you. Listen, what what we're going to see here is Jesus flipping things upside down. He's saying what the world values and, and, and what the culture holds as elite or as or what puts you in position to be uh, special or to be effective. That is not the things that Jesus values. And he's teaching his disciples here, it's not this way with you, but the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus says the most valuable position that you can be in to follow in the very footsteps of Christ is to take on the identity of a servant. And notice these servants here in verse five, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, turns and addresses the servants, That word servant is not referring to a slave. The word servant translated there is not what we get our word slave. They they were not forced to be servants at this wedding party. The word is translated from the word for which we get our word deacon. They were willing attendants. I love this definition. It says they were willingly attendants, those who executed the commands of another. They were simply willing servants. They were probably friends or family members of the wedding party. They were serving out of a willing heart, not for personal gain or for recognition. I love what Paul writes in Romans concerning a woman named Phoebe. And in chapter 16, verse one and two, the Bible says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria." And that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. And that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Notice these attributes about Phoebe. She was a servant of the church and she was a helper of many. So you say, Pastor Ryan, what does it mean to be a servant? Well, 
Will you simply help? Will you simply be a helper? Will you pitch in for the kingdom of God with a heart of thanksgiving in light of all the ways he has blessed you? Will you pitch in? Will you be a present? Church, listen, God uses those who make themselves available. Ministry gets done by those who show up. Will you make yourself available? They were willing servants. Listen, in our church, we are not gonna hogtie you and force you into a position. We're not gonna force you to volunteer. We're not gonna guilt you into serving the Lord. But for those who are willing, there's a place for you to serve here. For those of you who, out of the overflow, out of the abundance of your heart, are willing to take that next step and say, I'm available, well, there's a place for you to serve in this church. They were not only willing servants, but I think they were recognizable servants. Notice how both Mary and Jesus know who to turn to. I think Jesus recognizes, I think he knows, and he uses a person with a servant's heart. He sees you serving. And even though you might feel like you're, you're serving in obscurity, even though the majority of people might not know your name or know what you do or know the buttons you push or know the, the shuttle bus that you drive or know the money that you count or the children that you love, even if the majority of people don't know what you are doing, you have to understand that the Lord sees you serving. And that's what matters most. He can recognize a heart that's willing to serve. And he has the unbelievable way of, of identifying that person and calling them into service. For many years, five or six years, seven, I don't even know anymore, I was a youth pastor at a couple different churches. And, you know, I thought I knew what I was signing up for. Any of you ever been there, you know? You read the job description, you think you know what you're signing up for. And I was excited about discipling teens. I was excited about preaching to teenagers and, and going to youth camp and to coordinating all the youth activities. But you know what I ended up doing a whole lot of? Setting up and tearing down chairs. There's so many chairs. Y'all love on Pastor Kyle and Pastor Brian because they set up and tear down a lot of chairs. And you know, it's an easy thing to fill a gymnasium full of young men when you got a basketball out. I mean, you just one bounce and they just come out of the woodwork. I mean, they're just, they're on you, right? Let's play some basketball. And I enjoyed doing that. But the moment you tell the guys, okay, it's time to set up for Sunday school, they're gone. Where'd they all go? They can't even drive yet, and they're just gone. I feel like the prophet Ezekiel, I sought for a man among them who would stand in the gap before me, but I found none, right? They're just, they're, they're gone. How do they disappear so quickly? Let me ask you, church family, would our pastors, leadership, deacons, members, Will they recognize you as someone who has a heart to serve? Will, if they called on you in a time of need, would you be willing to step into that role? Do you have a, a servant's heart? And really, as a church member, you have to answer that question each and every week. Each and every week as you're willing to respond to the call as you're willing to respond to the text message or fill the role that you've signed up for, boy, you make a huge difference. Each and every week, our church displays a heart of servanthood, of servanthood that I would throw against any church anywhere. And it's evidence of your heart for the Lord. Well, not only do we see these servants show up, we see their presence. But secondly, we're gonna see their participation. 
Jesus is going to invite these servants into his work. And I want to say this morning, church family, if you've been saved, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's got something for you to do. He wants you to be a willing and active participant. And oftentimes, the majority of that work will happen outside of this room. Now, we participate in the Lord a lot in this room. And it's an amazing display of what happens when God calls his people unto himself. But a lot of what's going to happen outside of these walls and of these doors of the church is going to be... God's gonna invite you to participate in a powerful way. And I want you to understand that Jesus loves to invite servants into his work. But verse five gives us a very important truth. When Mary turns to the servants and says, whatever he says to you, do it, it teaches us that obedience unlocks our potential for Christ. Obedience unlocks our potential for Christ. Whatever he says to you, do it. Our participation in the eternal work of the gospel begins on the other side of our willingness to say yes. To say where he leads, I will follow. And what he tells me, I will obey. But you say, Pastor Ryan, I I don't feel worthy to play a role in the work of the eternal gospel. You say, you don't know who I've been. You don't know the things that I've done or where I've gone. And I wanna say to you this morning, That does not have to hold you back from saying yes to Christ today and move forward. Listen, you are covered by the blood of Jesus. This is what qualifies you for service. You don't have to have a certain abbreviation after your name. You don't have to have a certain set of credentials. You wanna know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that is what empowers you to say yes to Jesus today and to see him make a difference through you tomorrow and every day that you're willing to be available and to be obedient. Whatever he says to you, I will do it. Why don't you just decide today you're gonna be an obedient servant. You're gonna be obedient to the command of the Lord. This is what unlocks our potential for Christ. I love what 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, the Bible says, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of lambs. I'm always reminded of that Old Testament account of David and Goliath when speaking on this topic of obedience. Something occurred to me that David may never have the opportunity to slay the giant if he had not been willing to demonstrate simple obedience to the command of his father. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 17, Jesse says to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. Isn't it interesting that what unlocked this opportunity for David to be used by God in an unbelievable and very visual and powerful way was simply taking some loaves of bread and some cheese to his brothers. This simple act of obedience would lead David to the front lines of battle where he would hear and he would see this giant defying the God of Israel. This would lead David to raise his hand and give us that powerful verse 
the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine as well. And listen, church, we don't get that if we don't see David just demonstrating simple obedience to the command that he was given. And I wanna say to you today, church family, Jesus can and will and wants to use you today if you will take on the simple identity of a servant and then if you'll simply say yes, if you'll simply be obedient. I love in verse six where Jesus uh, is gonna talk to the servants. In verse six, it says, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. We know what these pots were there for. The Bible gives us the very explicit reason, yet we're gonna see Jesus take something with a perceived purpose and he's gonna change what everyone thought it was made for. He can take a mundane thing and he can use it in a magnificent way. He can take an old stone from a, book, from a brook and he can turn it into a deadly weapon. He can take Moses' old walking rod and he can turn it into a powerful display of God's power. He can take an old smelly animal stable and he can use it as the birthplace of our savior. He can take an old broken down glass company's building and he can turn it into a church. He can take your marriage and he can turn it into a ministry. And listen, church family, he can take the seemingly insignificant things in your life and he can use them in powerful ways for his glory, can't he? That's the kind of God that we serve. He says, take these pots and he says, fill them with water. And listen, if this is me, this is the point where I'm saying, okay, time out. Something's not adding up here, right? Like we're short of wine and you're telling me to go fill these up with water. Church, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the place of immense need and the thing that Jesus tells you to do doesn't make sense? You can't connect the dots from A to B. You can't see where, what, where he's leading you is going to meet the need that is so evident in your life. And I wanna say to you today, if you will have the faith to be obedient, to take that next step and to trust God, you will see him come through for you in ways that maybe you didn't see coming, but after all, aren't those the ways that increase our faith the greatest when the Lord comes through for in ways that we never saw coming? Boy, what a God. He says, fill these pots with water and they don't even question it. They obey and look at the extent of their obedience. They fill them up to the brim. It would leave no question as to what was in these pots. They were full of water and these servants did the best that they could. And I wanna say this about a, a believer's ethic, a believer's work ethic and, and the ethics that you display out in the world and that you display in your workplace and that you display in your relationships. They have the ability and often they should reflect the character of our savior. Shouldn't how we conduct ourselves, shouldn't our ethic reflect the character that we have been redeemed and shouldn't everything that we do be done for the glory of God? How many of you bring your families on Wednesday nights? We have a tremendous uh, discipleship program here on Wednesday nights. And I recently found out that if you're, uh, we used to serve in cubbies. And uh, if you have kids in that cubbies era, uh, maybe, what is it, three to, maybe three to five or three to six, something like that your kids get the opportunity to go to Clubhouse where they get to meet Cubby Bear and they get to hear a Bible story. I recently was uh, uh, made known to me that one of our members at Reach Church voices Cubby Bear from time to time. 
And boy, it, it, he hides behind a wall and he voices Cubby Bear to some kids and it touched my heart deeply because I said, you know what? He, he's been called on to be Cubby Bear and he's doing it to the best of his ability. And whatever the Lord calls on you to do, will you do it for the glory of God? Will you do it to the best of your ability so that he gets the glory? Boy, what a reminder it was to me that whether we are called upon to greet or to drive a shuttle bus or whatever it is he's called on us to do, that we reflect his character in our ethic. Listen, church family, make yourself known as a servant and then give it all you've got. And that leads us from participation to the product. Let's see what happens when we're willing to uh, take a role in Christ's eternal kingdom. Look, look, look at this in verse number nine. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom over, and he said, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus is in the business of transformation. He's in the business of transformation. He takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. And when I read those words, the water which had become wine, I'm reminded once again that if Jesus can do that, he can use my life as well. If Jesus can take the simple availability and obedience of some servants, then he can do something through my availability and my obedience as well. And what you must take away from this is that the Lord wants to produce something through you greater than what you can do on your own. Are you willing to allow God to produce fruit through your life or will you step outside of that and will you try to produce on your own? And I just want to testify to you this morning that when I have taken that route, when I have tried to do things in my own talent and my own ability for my own glory, boy, it's leaving me empty. And I've found that it's been a failure. But when I've allowed God to just take my empty vessel and fill it and use it for his glory, I've found that he has used me in ways that I never thought possible. And he'll do the same through you. As I look back on my life, I desire for it to be evident that God was at work and that he did what I couldn't so that he gets the glory. The Lord loves to see a need and then meet that need in unexpected ways through unexpected people. And isn't that our testimony? We are people who have received unexpected grace and that we would give back our service to the Lord as a way to say thank you and as a way that he can produce something through us that we could never do on our own. Notice the quantity of this product. 120 to 180 gallons would have been more than enough to last the wedding feast. In fact, there's gonna be excess. There's gonna be uh, overflow. There, this is, isn't this how God works? You know, I, I've been challenged in my faith for God to meet a need for me that's way down here. It's elementary. It's, it's, it's simple to God. And I've struggled with that, yet when I look at this, I see God producing it and, and meeting a need in extravagant ways. And what it teaches our church is that God can come through for you in extravagant ways. And often his character revealed to us teaches us that he is a God who is not held back by anything. 
It, it reminds me of the feeding of the 5,000. You've got those 5,000 men plus women and children, and what do you have at the end of that feast? Leftovers. We serve a God who can produce leftovers, and yet I'm challenged day by day to trust God for the simple things, aren't I? Notice the quality of the product. The head waiter is just dumbfounded at what has taken place. He, he uses this attribute. He says, it's good. <laughs> and let me tell you, church family, our God just doesn't produce good. He is good. He is good. This is what Jesus does. He makes something from nothing, and it's better than anything we could make, and he's doing it every day. If you look back at your life and think up to this point, my legacy just isn't what I want it to be. It's not too late. Surrender yourself to him as a servant. Do whatever he tells you to do and then trust God with the results. And isn't this what our Savior did for us? He was willing to take on the identity of a servant and he was obedient, wasn't he? He was obedient to the price that must be paid And as a result, you and me and the whole world has benefited from what God was able to do through him. Book of Philippians chapter two teaches us that Jesus took on the form of a a servant, a bond servant. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for that reason, God has highly exalted him. We see Jesus high and lifted up today because he was willing to follow this pattern. Shouldn't we be willing to as well? I love what 1 John chapter uh, number uh, two and verse six says. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Isn't this a savior worth serving? Isn't this a savior worth pattering our own footsteps and our own life after? We've seen the product. Let's look at a few principles as we close today. And the first one I want to submit to you is this, that Jesus reveals his glory to those who are positioned to see it. Jesus reveals his glory to those who are positioned to see it. You know, the head waiter here in this account, he thought it was the bridegroom. I'm sure the bridegroom has no idea what he's talking about. The guests are just happy to have enough to drink. The family is happy to save face, but what does Mary know? Mary knows that my son is who God said he was. What do the disciples know? Truly, this man is worthy of our life's allegiance. And what do the servants know? This was not the bridegroom's generosity. This was certainly not coincidence. This is the difference that Jesus makes. Because of their availability and their willingness to obey, they got to experience Christ in a way that the majority of people at this party did not get to. You know, everyone was full of drink, but who was full of heart? These servants were. They got to take part in what God is doing. They received, they got to be witnesses. And we're supposed to experience Christ in such a way that we take it out of that experience and we tell the world about it and it increases our faith. And we are once again uh, encouraged and and. Uh, just full of God to the point where we take it out into a world that desperately needs to hear of what he continues to do on a day-to-day basis. Secondly, what we witness should affect our walk. What we witness should affect our walk. You know, if I'm one of these servants 
I'm graduating to disciple, right? I'm taking off the servant's robe and I'm putting on the robe of disciple and I'm following Jesus because if he can do this with some water, he can use me as well. And we know the purpose of Jesus' miracles in John chapter 20 and verse 30, 20, uh, 31. The purpose was that so we may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing we may have life in his name. But people missed it then and people are missing it now. But one of the great privileges of becoming a servant this morning is that God can take your willingness and your obedience and he can reveal himself to others through you. What a privilege, isn't it? And so finally this morning, to serve is a privilege that we should take advantage of. And I wanna ask our church and those listening, where are you serving? Where are you serving? And in that servant role, are you seeing Jesus do things that are reminding you once again of how good he is and how powerful he is and the fact that he's transforming situations, stories, lives each and every day. And it's worth it. When you show up, it makes a difference. And if you're not serving today, I wanna encourage you, whether in this church, at another church, out in the world, will you be willing to say, sign me up. In light of what he's done, in light of what he's inviting me into, I too want to become a servant. And then just hand it over to the Lord. Say yes when someone asks you. Do it for his glory and find yourself full. Full of the things that matter. You know, we all want to hear well done at the end of our journey, don't we? We want to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I believe that if we are to hear that on that day, we must start becoming a faithful servant today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are once again encountered with a truth from your word that hits us right where we're at. That, Lord, you would use people such as, as me and as us, Lord, that you would invite us into what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis in this county, in our city, in the world. And, Lord, I pray that as we sign up to serve on mission and as we sign up to serve the body and to serve our community, that, Lord, you would fill us with purpose. That, Lord, we would see change happening in our world through our willingness to simply say, I'm available. And Lord, for the person here this morning, Lord, who may not have ever considered serving, that Lord, they would take that step and they would find that you meet us right where we're at. And the privilege of serving, Lord, is something that we should take advantage of. And Lord, for the person here this morning who maybe is hearing Jesus for the very first time, and Lord is hearing for the very first time of how you humbled yourself and descended to this earth for us, and how, Lord, you were willing to be obedient on that cross, that, Lord, they would taste and see that you are good this morning, that, Lord, they would look at you, they would turn their eyes on you and find a Savior worth inviting in. Father, for all that you've done and all that you'll do, we give you the honor and the glory. 
We ask this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Church family, would you stand with us as we offer this time of invitation? We'll have uh, pastors down here at the front. If we can serve you in any way, if we can pray with you, we'd love to do that. This is your time. Use it as the Lord directs.